It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Andrew Pollack is uh, is the author of a new book. And uh, under the right worst circumstances, you can imagine, uh, everyone remembers February 14, 2018, as the the news came out that uh, Parkland uh, shooting had occurred and 17 innocent people died and 17 others injured. And uh, Andrew Pollack, unfortunately, his daughter Meadow uh, was one of the 17. And the name of the book that is so important for people to read and to buy and to spread the word on and, and get the message out and... Uh, important is the word, why Meadow died, the people and the policies that created the Parkland shooter and endangered America's students. Uh, Andrew, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it means a lot to me to educate parents and point them in the right direction uh, to failures that's going on at schools across the country. Well, listen, I, our hearts go out to you. I have four children myself and uh, and every one of us uh, who have children and those who don't have children uh, can only imagine the the horror that uh, that comes learning uh, learning about a tragedy like this. But uh, what can you tell us about the book? And of course, we want everyone to buy the book. But uh, what, what can you kind of summarize for us uh, some of the key things that you discovered in in putting out the book and uh, certainly issues that uh, that need to be addressed in order to av uh, avoid uh, other tragedies like this? Sure. First, it's very important. Like every parent, like myself, now I have to live with it. You think you're bringing your kid, you're sending them to a good school where they're going to get a good education, and you're putting them into a good environment that's not dangerous. That's what I thought. Uh, and I got to live with it that I didn't know where I was putting my uh, daughter, and I thought it was. But when I start, started looking into everything, you know, I wanted to know when my daughter was murdered, how could this happen? You know, how did it happen? I put her in such a nice school, and uh, and she got murdered on, on that third floor. Uh, and right after, everybody started, uh, I started getting a lot of messages, uh, people calling and telling me how evil this kid was, how many times he threatened uh, different pe kids' lives. Uh, in his educational record, teacher was telling me uh, how he wanted to kill uh kids were telling me that he took videos of skinning animals he oh. brought bullets to school he carved swastikas on uh, on a table in the lunchroom he walked around with the n-word on his backpack never arrested for any offenses ever never held accountable it looked like his record that he was a good student in high school right and i couldn't figure it out i go how could this be you know how how was it that this evil kid could be so bad and in a school with my daughter? It got so bad that, that I even uncovered that they had to frisk him every day before school. That's how dangerous he was. And he was so dangerous, they didn't, even, they didn't let him in the school with a backpack, right? But parents don't know these things. And this, these policies have spread throughout the country, okay? And, and I uncovered it just in Broward. It started in Broward. With this superintendent, this incompetent superintendent, Robert Rumsey, brought these policies uh, to Broward, and, and now it's spread throughout the whole country of kids not being held accountable, 
of a, of a kid uh, labeling someone special needs who is violent, uh, occupational defiant disorder, they call it, oppositional defiant, defiant disorder, which is another word for a psychopath. And, and, they, and then they label them special needs, and then they're untouchable in the school. And they, they give these kids more rights than kids that just want to go and learn. So what I found is politicians, yeah, politicians could only do so much. They can't help. You know, I met with the president. He did so much stuff. The media doesn't want to report on it. Uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor, is doing so much uh, for schools. Rick Scott. But politicians could only do so much, okay, at a local level for your local school board. Local school board, it's up to the parents and the grandparents to make sure they put their kids in a safe environment. And that's why I put this book together. Uh, I call it now, it's like a guide or a manual for parents uh, to read it like their kid's life depended on it, to read it and understand these policies that, that that's, they snuck in in these school districts to lower statistics, to make the schools look better, lower suspensions, lower the expel uh, rate. Okay, that's what they did over these years. And it just creates an unsafe environment. And parents and grandparents, you should not subject to your kids to an environment like that in a school. Like you, you, you said you had some kids. You're sending your kids to school. Do you know what's going on in your kid's school? Absolutely not. Not enough, that's for sure. And, and we try to stay on top of everything. Okay. There's no way we know this. We wouldn't know about an individual kid that shouldn't be there, that's for sure. Well, it's not even individual. It's the policies. you got to understand. So in California, they just signed a bill into law that that makes it illegal to suspend disruptive kids. Okay? That's the policy, the same policy in Broward that led up to my daughter getting killed. They just put it into law in California. Okay? So these, these policies, okay, it's not individual kids. It's policies that allow these kids not to have any consequences. And who would, in their right mind, would want to put your, would put your child in, in, in some type of environment where none of these kids have any consequences? And that is the issue, okay? Your kids know about it. The teachers know about it. Uh, if you talk to your, the police officers at the school, they'll tell you what's going on. But that's why parents have no excuse anymore to say they don't know. Like you, if you read my book, you're going to go find out what's going on in the school. You can't tell me. If, some, God forbid, something happens to your kid, you can't say you didn't know. I don't want to hear it from any parent in the country. You can't say the excuse that, I, that I'm saying I didn't know. Because it's in this book, it's a guide, and go out, go on Amazon, Why Meadow Died, order a copy, bring one copy to the school, give it to a principal, a school board member, and educate yourself, and be responsible on where you put your child. If nothing else, uh, not only parents, but uh, superintendents and administrators, uh, it should be a must-read, and, and coming from uh, uh, the victim of one of the 17 uh, that died uh, by uh, by a madman, uh, just shooting uh, away 17 injured, and and you can just imagine the horror. Why Meadow died is the name of the book. The people and the policies that created the Parkland shooter and endangered America's students. Uh, it, you know, it's a must read. Andrew Pollock is the author and and the the father of Meadow. And uh, again, there's nothing we could ever say to him uh, that uh, that will. Uh, 
that will oh. take away his pain and his family's pain. But everyone's got to get this book. I will be getting it and I'll be reading it. Uh, what else can you can you Please, share? Bill. Yeah. What, what else can you share with us? We got a couple moments left with you. What can you? Uh... Well, he was uh, just the the incompetence that goes on in these schools. He had an infatuation of guns. Uh, they, they had a meetings about him that he was going to be a school shooter. Uh, they had letters written to his psychiatrist about his infatuation with guns and killing. And when they mainstreamed him into my daughter's high school, after all, knowing all this, it's all on his records, they put him in JROTC at the school where they taught him how to shoot and where they gave him an, uh, an air gun and, and taught him how to shoot. So th this is what goes on in these schools, okay? And parents, you you have to know where you put your kid. And there is options, Okay. If I would have read this book two years ago, my daughter would be alive. That's how much information is in the book. I never would have had her in the school in that situation with these policies. Okay, don't put your kids in an environment like, like what I happen to do for not knowing. Okay, because it is going on throughout the whole country. It's spreading uh, into more and more schools, this, this no accountability, no consequence, illegal to suspend kids. You know, why, why would you, in your right mind, would you want to put your kid in an environment where a kid has no consequence, you can't even suspend him or expel him for acting out or, or, or uh, hurting your child or stealing something or selling drugs or no consequence. So, And it's going on. Uh, and let me tell you something. If I would have went down this, the gun control path, which the mainstream media pushed, uh, this never would get exposed and parents would never really know the true facts. So yeah, grab, get my book, Why Meadow Died, and, and don't put your kid in an environment uh, that you could compromise their safety. Why Meadow Died is the name of the book. Uh, the father of Meadow is Andrew Pollock, and he's the author of that book. It's an important book for everyone to get and to, uh, and to get the perspective. Uh, I, look, before it's too late, I, I, trust me, I am I'm, uh, first online to read it. And everyone's got to get the book. And Andrew Pollock, I want to thank you very much for being here. And, and there's nothing we could ever say. But, uh, of course, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you and all the victims of, of these horrendous shootings out there. And, and you're right, the policies have to change. Yes, correct. Or, or move your kid to a different school, charter school, private school, home school. There are options for parents. Don't think you're safe when you drop them off at the school. Nothing is worse and not bringing your kid home. Well, listen, from one who knows it uh, all too well, Andrew Pollack, uh, thank you once again, and thank you for writing the book. Thank you very much for writing the book. And thank uh, you. I, I look forward to talking to you soon. Uh, to everyone out there, Why Meadow Died, The People and the Policies That Created the Parkland Shooter and Endangered America's Students, obviously uh, very uh, angry and, and hurt um, father, of, uh, of, of a lost child and no parent should ever have to bury a child but in this Parkland shooting that occurred on February 14, 2018 uh, Valentine's Day of all, all days 17 children uh, young people perished and 17 others were injured in this horrendous shooting and uh, again uh, get the book Why Meadow Died The People and the Policies That Created the Parkland Shooter and endangered America's students. Obviously, it's an angry book, and it's uh, uh, a lot of hurt there, as you can just imagine. But Frank McKay, uh, 
very happy to have Andrew uh, Pollock here, and, and we wish he and his family and the others uh, the, the very best. Uh, buy the book, though, Why Meadow Died. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, uh, the wonderful Bonnie Peace is with us today, and her latest She's got so many, uh, so many great roles. Uh, you know, big screen, small screen. You know her from so many things, and Star Wars fans love her. But her latest is my favorite girlfriend, and uh, you could start seeing that tomorrow. It, it is, uh, it, yeah. You got to see it. You got to see it just because Bonnie's in it, and uh, and and it just sounds terrific. Bonnie Peace, how are you? I'm really good. How are you, Frank? Sounding good. Uh, you know, feeling good about this movie. And uh, yeah. I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people are looking forward to a great uh, date movie. But uh, look, like I said, anything within uh, with you in it, I think a, a lot of people can see. Do you have a ritual for opening day? Do you uh, is it so old at this point to you, at least, um, <laughs> that uh, that it's uh, not all that special? Or uh, do you kind of sneak into a theater somewhere and see the reactions? Uh, any any opening day rituals? Well, I'm in Portugal right now, so I can't sneak into a theater. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, I just like to enjoy it. And, you know, people start posting on social media and you can see what people are saying. And that's really fun. Well, give us an overview. Of opening day? No, give us an overview of My Favorite Girlfriend. Oh, of course. Um, so it's a romantic comedy and it's a really, really sweet love story. Romando Raymond's. Amanda Raymond's script and her directing and everything was awesome. So a love story, romantic comedy. Conrad meets my character, Molly. And Molly actually has DID, which is dissociative identi identity disorder. Yeah. So she has multiple personalities and Conrad has to meet them all and, you know, see if it's going to work out. All right. Well, like I said, it's it, it, it sounds terrific. And uh, we could certainly uh, certainly watch anything uh, with you in it. Uh, Portugal, not to uh, you know, not to pry here, but are you are you there for work or or pleasure? Uh, are you shooting a film or, or a show? I'm based here now, actually. I mean, kind of back and forth between here and LA, but mostly you know working in LA, and then I come back here. It's lovely. Yeah. Oh well, listen. I mean, there's no no disputing that. Um, how long have you been doing that? couple of years um my husband and i moved out here um april 2020 right in the middle of covid stuff his mom was here so we came out here and just fell in love with it and it seems to be a good way to go yeah well uh, listen uh, you know no one's gonna argue with the uh, the atmosphere over there and the beauty of of portugal uh, is there any kind of a uh, film industry over there i mean i'm sure there's a film industry but is there is there anything that you're kind of paying attention to uh do you um uh, I don't know. Do you do you get involved uh, professionally over there uh, while you're there, or, or does that all take place in the states? Not yet. I would love to do something here. Although they are starting to do more and more things here. They did um, a Netflix Portugal show um, last year, I believe, that was really great. So it's kind of up and coming. I'd love to do some stuff here, but yeah. So far, most of my recent stuff has been L.A. Yeah, listen. Kudos to you guys for finding a, uh, uh, you know, finding a haven uh, away from the uh, the rat race. Are, are you uh, are you somewhat anonymous over there? I mean, do you have do you have a little more privacy there than you would in the states? Yeah, pretty much. But I don't find that people really recognize me in L.A. either. So <laughs> you know, sometimes they they might just think I look familiar. So <laughs> that's great. I don't mind that at all. 
Yeah, but L.A. is like that. I mean, everybody's everybody's somebody that you've seen on screen or a lot of people are, right. so you can kind of blend. But if you were in uh, in Fargo, North North Dakota, I mean, you you might have a hard time going <laughs> to the uh, to the supermarket or you you know even <laughs> some you know some smaller places. Well, listen, we'll we'll be uh, we'll be checking it out and tuning in and. Uh, and getting to select theaters for my favorite girlfriend. Uh, what's Yay. the rest of your year, uh, of your year look like? Do you have a uh, a schedule uh, set in stone? We know hey, people are still dealing with COVID. Obviously, we see some right. light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but how crazy is your schedule? And uh, and is it fluid or is it uh, are the things like locked in stone? Um, it's pretty fluid. I'm doing a movie in Australia in February and March next year. And up until then, um, I think I'm doing an animation at some point. I'm not sure when yet. And then another movie after the Australian one in, I think, L.A. and Mexico. But the next little while, I'm basically just, you know, enjoying myself, hanging out, enjoying Portugal. And yeah, it's a, it's a pretty easy schedule right now. You know, it, it's you know it sounds exciting. I'm sure listeners are hearing this and saying, "Wow, Bonnie Peace." I mean, uh, you know, you, you've earned it. You know, you've earned it with a career like this. Thank but, you. Uh, but you know, Portugal, L.A., uh, Australia. Uh, how much time do you right. cut a, uh, cut away for uh, for filming in Australia? Is it uh, is it set or is that fluid? Well, this is the first project that I'm doing in Australia since. Let me think. I mean, since about like. 2005 or something wow. oh my gosh so yeah this is like going back there so it'll be really great yeah so i mean but you don't know how long the the shoot is going to be you don't know like you're going to be there for uh this many months or this many weeks probably just a month i think probably a month and then yeah then back to la mexico for this other film um and I, I don't know how many films in a row I could do. I know some people can really do back to back to back. I like to do, you know, one or two and then have a break and then do something else and then have a break, um, which is working out pretty well right now. Listen, like I said, you've you've earned it. That's uh, it's one of the things that comes along with uh, being good at what you do and and being recognized for uh, for being good. And you and your husband have uh, have uh, well deserved um, freedom there. Let me just ask you. Thank a quick, you. Yeah, a, a quick uh, uh, COVID question uh, and the difference mm -hmm. between how Portugal dealt with it as as opposed to uh, uh, L.A. and and the states in general uh, was was it a uh, was it culture shock having to do with the lockdown and the uh, and and the COVID uh, dealings uh, or were they similar to the United States? I mean, similar. Uh, Portugal locks down pretty hard in the beginning, um, so that definitely was a little bit intense. But we were basic, basically in an oceanside town, and it was very quiet anyway. So we just lived a quiet lifestyle at that time and it didn't affect us too much. Um, I think, I think it was a bit more intense in LA for, for longer. I, I feel like in Portugal, we were able to get out and kind of live our lives a bit um, sooner, well, but yeah, I guess it was different in lots of different places. Uh, Bonnie Peace, uh, we're looking forward to seeing you starting tomorrow in My Favorite Girlfriend. We're sorry you won't be able to watch it on the big screen with us, but you're, I'm sure you're, I sick know. Of, yeah, you're, you're sick of it by now anyway. But uh, I got to see it, um, I guess it was two weeks ago for the preview screening, so I was happy with that. There you go. Well, listen, c congratulations on really a wonderful career that you're, you're carving out for yourself. Uh, can you give us a Thank you. Can you give us a website or a social media site where we could follow along with what you do? Sure, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, which is at Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I-E, then M, and then Peace, which is P-I-E-S-S-E. -S -S -E. Yeah. 
Bonnie Peace, congrats once again, and we'll be watching. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bonnie Peace, everyone. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, our very special guest has been Bonnie Peace. My favorite girlfriend, romantic comedy, uh, multiple personalities, and and all. Um, but you know, uh, it, you know Bonnie as Luke Skywalker's foster mother, and uh, Baru White Son in Star Wars Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, and Star Wars Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith. Um, and uh, you know, and look, Obi Wan Kenobi coming up, and you know. Listen, anytime you're in that, you know, we were just talking about this uh, the other day uh, with uh, with some folks, but anytime you get into one of these universes, whether it's Marvel, Star Wars, you know, uh, Disney, the different things, it, you know, your career uh, takes a whole different shape and your recognition is, uh, is, is set in stone. And, uh, you know, the guy who plays... John Ratzenberger, who I've had on the show many times, a real good guy, and he's got a great story uh, to him. Uh, John Ratzenberger played Cliff on Cheers, and if you if you added up the the total gross box office receipts that John Ratzenberger films films featuring John Ratzenberger had. Uh, he would be up there with uh, with the elite, and everyone just thinks of him as uh, you know one of the guys yelling Norm on Cheers. And he played Cliff Clavin, the, you know the know-it-all mailman. But because he got involved with Pixar, and I believe still to this day that John Ratzen Ratzenberger has been in every single every single Pixar animated film, and you know he plays. Um, whatever the pig is on on uh, Toy Story and all of them, but every single animated film that Pixar has done, John Ratzenberger has has been in. I mean, his, I don't know what his net worth is. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be tremendous. He has to have money coming in for all kinds of things and you know, you know, forget about uh, Cliff Clavin on on Cheers. I mean, that's that's a good one. You know, I mean, you get that, and you could uh, you know kind of live comfortably the rest of your life. Uh, you know, off of what you what you make off of a show like that, which was a number one show for for many years and a legendary show. But uh, you 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 spin that into getting into one of these one of these worlds and the Pixar world is uh, is uh, is something else and uh, Bonnie Peace by the way has been our very special guest the reason I went off on that a little bit is Bonnie Peace uh, is recognized for her work in Star Wars and and once you're recognized there or in in the Marvel universe you know again you, your career takes a whole different trajectory she's in a romantic comedy called my favorite girlfriend and you know you could check it out um you know right away you could by the time you hear this uh, it'll 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 be in theaters and you'll be able to check it out and you'll be streaming and so forth bonnie peace has been our very special guest frank mckay signing off we'll see you all next time on breaking it down i'd like to welcome everyone to breaking it down frank mckay here so much more importantly, uh, former LAPD homicide detective Greg Kading, uh, he, he's the one who led a three-year federal task force into the murders of rappers uh, Tupac, 
uh, Shakur and, and Biggie Smalls, and documentary filmmaker Mike Dorsey, who's, uh, whose work is just always terrific, producer of Murder Rap, Inside Biggie, the, the Biggie and Tupac Murders. It's, uh, it's a, it's a must-see. Thrilled to have you, Greg and Mike. How are you guys? Good morning. How are you doing? We're great. Well, listen, congratulations. You're getting rave reviews on everything that you're, uh, that you're doing. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it's, it's always nice to talk to someone who's, who's actually uh, done the work uh, Greg, rather than the, uh, the, the actors that play guys like you. And uh, let me start with you. Um, what was your first reaction to, uh, to the idea of, uh, of sitting down in front of the camera? Uh, it, it's, it's a little different than what you normally do. Yeah, it was. It was but working with Mike made it relatively easy. Um, you know, Mike approached me back in 2015 and wanted to make a documentary about the book. And, uh, you know, he, he, took, he took the reins on it and made a great documentary and so he made it easy for me i just had to sit there and answer questions which is a, is a little bit uh, opposite than what i'm usually doing which is asking the question yeah usually you're interrogating somebody and, and this time you're getting it from mike but uh, mike let me turn exactly. to you uh what was it about the the book was it the book was it the story before the book uh, what came first, kind of the 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 uh, the book or the uh, uh, the sure. story? Greg's book came out first, and that's what grabbed my attention. I read an article about it, and uh, and and I, I have a, a podcast called Dearly Departed Podcast, which is all about death in Hollywood. So it's always been a passion of mine, and uh, I was looking for my next project. I'd done a film on the Mansons previously, and uh, I was familiar with the case. And when I read the article about Greg's book, I just knew this. It sounded like the truth. It didn't sound like uh, you know, a crazy theory. Yeah, Mike. I think we, you and I, spoke before, and uh, and you know it was about Manson. You know, somewhere around the uh, the, the anniversary. And again, uh, you sure. uh, you do this as well as anyone does this. And uh, you know, again, <laughs> thank you. Death in Hollywood is something that uh, that is always fascinating to people, as morbid as it is. Hey, it's reality. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you when you get uh, you know a guy like uh, like Greg, who's very good at what he does on. On the job, always right. on the job. I mean, it's it's nice to kind of jump into it. Uh, Greg, let me jump back uh, to you. Uh, is it? And again, I, I kind of asked this before, but I, I didn't completely. Is is it your first time in front of a camera? I know, you know, probably you had to give testimony in front of camera before. But is there? Uh, have have you done any work in film in the film business before? No, no, not not before the documentary. Uh, I've been a consultant on a couple of the uh, like CNN, HLN programs, like Nancy Grace, that type of thing. Just sitting there and you know in a studio, um, but never taking a real deep dive into a subject matter and and producing a show, you know, as a result of it. So it was a new experience for me. Well, let me remind folks that are just tuning in or turning on their radios a little late. Uh, Mike Dorsey and Greg Kading are our very special guests, and we're talking about a great documentary, which is a must-see. Uh, filmmaker Mike Dorsey, uh, who again is with us, is the producer of Murder Rap, Inside the Biggie and Tupac Murders. And uh, Greg, if I stay with you uh, for for a moment, this is you know one of the, this this is one of those those murders that that never go away, and it's uh, you know everyone's. Uh, always um, talking about, well, who did this and, and who did that. Um, I, I, are they getting any closer to uh, solutions on either one of these? Well, we've definitively resolved the cases. We know exactly what happened in both cases. They're no longer a mystery. 
and that's what me and Mike are campaigning for is to get that information out and get a response from law enforcement to deal responsibly with uh, with that truth, which is to clear these cases. So we know exactly right. what happened, and people don't need to um, settle for all these wild, you know, conspiracy theories that are out there. Well, it, Mike, let me uh, turn to you. I mean, you're dealing with someone in, in law, law enforcement about getting to law enforcement to, uh, to uh, you know, solve this. I mean, have you've dealt with, uh, you know, all of these different things? And, you know, we spoke, uh, you know, earlier about the, the Manson um, involvement and in, uh, in the films that, uh, that you've made. Are you uh, are you being stonewalled by uh, by law enforcement? Uh, in a sense, I, I um, this guy uh, basically the the person who who killed Tupac, his uncle, uh, you know, has given multiple public statements to, to that they did this, and Las Vegas police is fully aware of this guy's statements. Has been aware now for years, and I met with the lead detective on the case in Las Vegas a year and a half ago, and gave him all this information. And I've stayed in touch with him since then. So Las Vegas police, they. They know exactly who killed Tupac, and for whatever reason, they're choosing not to, to do anything about it. And that's, and to some to same extent, Las Vegas, or Los Angeles police knows who killed Biggie. And same thing, they're still, you know, both agencies are kind of acting like it's still this big mystery uh, when it's it's not. The public even knows, you know, because of our films and the projects that have been put out. So it's kind of a weird situation where everybody knows what happened, but the police are pretending like they don't. Yeah. Uh, just uh, another reminder, everyone watch. It's a must. Murder rap inside the Biggie and Tupac murders. Uh, an absolute must. We got uh, Mike Dorsey, the filmmaker, who you just heard from. And I'm turning again to Greg Kading, who, who was uh, the homicide detective, uh, L.A. Uh, PD homicide detective, who's uh, working uh, very close or worked very closely with Mike on this and, and to get the word out. And Greg, uh, let me, uh, you know, let me turn to you. I know you guys are on the run. Uh, you you have a uh, you have a situation where uh, where you're I'm sure you're proud of the work that you've done on the LAPD. Why wouldn't the uh, the, the the folks in Vegas and uh, the folks in uh, in LA? Why wouldn't they want this information out there? It's it's a great question, and I don't know that I have a great answer. All I can say is that that, that there's just a attitude of indifference about it. Now, that these are monumental cases, both of them, important cases, culturally and, uh, you know, just generationally. They're, and, you know, they know what happened, as Mike had just said, and to leave the impression that they're unresolved or that they're mysteries is irresponsible, in my opinion. And so that's kind of where we're just banging our head on the wall, trying to figure out why they're not responding to this very well-known public information about these confessions that have been validated. These are corroborated confessions by co-conspirators. Well, and listen, the fact that they're not... Yeah. Go, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, the fact that, yeah, just the fact that they're not publicly dealing with it um, is... It, it's, it, you know, that's the big mystery. Yeah, and, and if you can, uh, Greg, uh, before we leave, uh, just give us the, the name of the book again. I should have it in front of me, but get, give the name of the book, and we want everyone to buy this, and, and it's a perfect companion to go along with watching the documentary. Give us the name of the book and how to get it. Yeah, the book is just, you know, you can go on Amazon Books and just order it. It's called Murder Rap, you know, the murder of Tupac and Biggie, and then uh, Mike will tell you about his his documentary and the uh, scripted show. Okay. and Yeah, I, and then the documentary is also, documentary is also called Murder Rap, 
And then um, we did a, we were producers on a scripted series where um, Josh Tamel played Greg uh, in a, a ten-part series uh, that's on Netflix now called Unsolved. Hey, Mike, do you have a social media site, a website where people can follow along with you and give us the, the podcast once again? Sure. We have a, 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 if you go on Facebook and look up Murder Rap, you'll, uh, the movie, you'll, you'll find our Facebook page. We have about 63,000 followers. And then uh, I have a podcast called Dearly Departed Podcast, which is all about death in Hollywood. Kind of a, a fun, I guess, a, as fun as you can make that. It's kind of a fun take on Hollywood history. Listen, it's uh, I've heard it, and I heard it somewhere around the Manson, uh, the Manson anniversary. It's the it's the best uh, that there sure. is, and it's a must listen to uh, for you. everyone. Mike Dorsey, uh, thrilled to have you here, and Greg Kading, but both. I wish I had you for a longer period of time, but I want to thank you uh, sure. both for being here. I want to congratulate you both on the on the great work here, and uh, guys, thanks again. I know got, there's a lot of people wanting to talk to you, but Mike Dorsey and Greg Kading, thanks for being here. Uh, thank you. Our pleasure. Thanks. And to everyone out there, just a reminder, buy Murder App. Uh, it's the book by LAPD uh, homicide detective, uh, retired now, Greg Kading. And he, uh, he led a three-year federal task force into the murders of rappers Tupac and Biggie. And again, the, uh, the movie is, uh, is by Mike Dorsey. He's terrific. I think, I don't want to ask him uh, here because I, I, I think I had an interview with him. Uh, about it, and uh, and it just hit me while we were talking. But I think he was the last guy to uh, interview Manson. And if I'm wrong about that, I'll correct myself the next time uh, we we address this. But uh, documentary filmmaker Mike Dorsey, uh, he's the producer of Murder Rap Inside the Biggie and Tupac Murders, and that's the name of the movie. Uh, you got to check it out. And and again, check out his podcast, Dearly Departed Pod. dot com is the uh, is the site. Uh, get there if you can. And again, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Jesus Sepulveda is our very special guest, and uh, he is—he's uh, terrific. His latest special is uh, has just been released, uh, Mister Rough Life, and it is—it uh, is part of a, a series. And it was just released on, on August 5th, uh, HBO Max comedy special. He is terrific. If you don't know his work, you're missing out. But this is a good time to get to know him. Hey, Seuss, how are you? How's it going? How's it going? Uh, thank you guys for having me, man. Uh, yeah, uh, the special, you know, is out right now. HBO, HBO Max. Uh, Mr. Tough Life. Mr. Tough Life. Tough Life. Okay. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, man, thanks for having me. How's it going? Yeah, it's listen, it's going great. But it's uh, it, it's always better with you. In the mix here, I've been I've been watching your stuff and listening to you for a long time. You'll laugh out loud, funny, and I've got to believe that this oh, is the uh, uh, this is this is the same here. Uh, give us a little background on this. How long have you been working on this special? Man, you know I've been doing comedy since I was fifteen, so this uh, all these jokes have been um, been worked on for ooh, I want to say fifteen years, fifteen. I'm 32 now, so you know, <laughs> uh, I went to public school. So you you do the math. You know, yeah, yeah. Have time like, I'm there. But it's been a couple of years, all right. But uh, yeah, so it's been a, a long time coming. Um, you know, I'm just glad everything worked out. You know, my dad's been telling me, you know, get a job. You know, I have an immigrant dad, so you know, he he, he looks at it as like get a job with a 401k, mijo. You have a social, use your birth certificate, please get a real job. So. You know how it is having an immigrant parents, you know, they want you to have 
legit jobs, especially if they took you to another place to be in America. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad it's working out. Yeah. Well, where, where is, what's his background? What does he do? Your dad and, uh, and where did he come from originally? He came from Mexico and he was a welder, you know, he was a welder. He's a blue collar dad for sure. So he just, uh, all he knew was a real job to him was to be having like, be out there in the sun, breaking your back. Like that was a job for him. Like anything that was an office job, you know, in the nineties, it was like, you know, he looked at you like, uh, like being a sissy, but it's like, you know, I, I wanted something different in my life. You know, I wanted, uh, to live a dream, but it was hard for him to understand that, you know, they don't, you know, immigrant parents, they don't, they don't have time for dreams. They have time for, you know, to take care of their families. They don't, they don't, they don't have that luxury. So, yeah, but uh, I had definitely had a, a tough dad growing up. Yeah, you know, uh, they don't have those dads no more. You know, nowadays the dads, uh, I see them and, uh, you know, they have uh, the kids and, 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 they have kids and and uh, I don't know and they have leashes now. What what is this? What's going on? You know, <laughs> they hug you. And then, yeah, if they get mad, they, 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 hug, they you. hug you. Exactly. The, uh, I've seen a kid at, at playing sports and I'll say, "Oh, this guy's gonna, this kid's gonna get yelled at for missing the penalty." <laughs> and give thumbs up. And I'm that's when I was growing up. So uh, that's what I talk about in my special. I talk about my experiences of having a. Uh, uh, those type of uh, experiences with my dad. So, hey, th- there's got to be a different yeah. feel for it now. He's got to see uh, your success now. You're on HBO. I mean, it's like uh, you're special here. Uh, does That's he see right. it differently? And and I know it's uh, you know I know it's part of the fun and everything else. But he's got to look at yeah, you yeah. differently now, right? Oh, for sure. Especially with the check came in, he was like, uh, you know, I get ten percent of that. And I was like, <laughs> all right, here we go. So, yeah, he sees it differently. He sees numbers now. So numbers make sense. It's funny how he's now saying, like, I knew it all along. I knew you were going to make it, Nico. Good job. And I'm like, yeah, after you see it. <laughs> but, no, but, yeah, we, we definitely had a moment where we talked about, like, you know, where we came from, how far we come. Because, you know, they went through the experience with me. So uh, they're happy just as much as I am. And they let things are, uh, you know, are coming coming together, you know. So, yeah, yeah, he's, he's proud. He's proud. I'm sure he's told me already which is a, a weird thing to hear especially growing up the way i did yeah well hey listen i'd be proud of you too i got four kids i i'd be i'd be thrilled if uh, jesus if you were one of them uh that <laughs> that would be it'd be a nice thing but hey let, let me ask you this how much different yes. is this whole process been and i'm talking about the process of of making it and getting to to this point how much different is it than what you thought it would be oh that's a good you know what that's a great question i've never been asked that uh it's uh, definitely harder than what I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, my ignorant mind thought that when I moved to L.A., I was 19, and I was four years in the game because I started in Arizona, Tucson. I thought it was just going to be, I'm going to go up. It's going to be great. I'm going to kill it. I, I went up on Laugh Factory. I did not do great. I actually did very terrible, and I should have got my stuff and went back home, but I didn't. I stuck to it, and it was been way 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 harder than what i thought it was going to be you know you, you sacrifice a lot of time uh you know a lot of sleepless nights a lot of hungry nights and you, you know this industry is a very tough industry to break into but if you just stay focused and, and, and stay you know grounded and, and you just look at the end goal like you will come out of it uh, i'm a living proof of that so yeah 
Well, go back to that. Uh, go back to that laugh. Uh, what, what was it? Laugh factory event. You said. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go back to that yeah. for a second. And I. Uh, were you thinking to yourself, was there any part of you thinking, like, maybe this is too hard and maybe it's not, uh, I'm not going to make, how much second guessing do you do at a moment like that? Uh, that was, the whole night was second guessing. The whole day, the whole week was second guessing. The, the, the being broken, you start thinking, you know what, like, they're not laughing. They're just not clicking. Like, I should just leave. But uh, you, you second guess everything, yes. But, you know, if you're, entertainer like it, it, it people can relate that are entertainers and the only way i can explain it is like you have to fulfill something that's inside of you that needs this it's, it's not that you want this is that you need this it's a different feeling so i couldn't live my life without without doing this i just couldn't see it so i i honestly don't know what it was but i just i just knew that you know i rather trying to do this than not do this at all so that was my mentality. That was my point of view. And I just, you know, kept going. And I fought through those nights where I was bombing and I had to follow tough acts, you know. But, you know, like I said, it's, uh, it's now starting to pay off. And uh, I'm glad I stuck with it, you know. Yeah, well, uh, so so is everybody else. Everybody who gets to see is glad you you stuck with yeah, it. You wonder you. how many people give up, uh, you know, like midway or right before they're, they're going to get some kind of break. I got to believe your dad... And and just you know just from what you say about him, but the fact that he's worked so hard, he was a welder, he's an immigrant, and he, and all the crap right. that he had to deal with, I, I'm sure some of that is, is you know if not uh, subconsciously in your mind, uh, consciously in your mind, mm. uh, but I mean some of that has to be rubbing off on you. That's a tough guy, and 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 so many of these folks yeah. coming over from uh, from Latin America and, and Mexico. They all, you know, uh, uh, so many of them are, are the hardest working folks, and they just get, you mm -hmm. know, they get all the crap and everything else. Uh, do you think any of that plays yeah. into you sticking it out? Well, yeah, my dad was, uh, yeah, my, my dad was my first teacher of, like, not taking no for an answer. My dad was the guy that he would just force a yes. Uh, you know, he wasn't even supposed to be in this country, and he worked so hard to get his citizenship into like, and I saw that, that was a struggle it's, uh, to see how he would have to put his pride to the side and not see his family for years. You know, all that I saw a tough person just like fight through the system that was telling him that he's not like worthy or he doesn't belong, you know? So yeah, like he was my first teacher that, and, and that guy was a tough person. Like I say, he did not like a no, especially when we're at the stores and he's trying to get a discount. And the guy said, yeah, this, Coupon is expired. No, it's no, it's not expired. I want to talk to the goddamn manager. So, <laughs> you know, this is a guy who would fight his way through anything. So, yeah, I definitely uh, helped me when I was in my tough times. Yeah. Oh. Listen uh, again. Uh, nothing but respect for for all of you guys that, uh, that guys and gals that have gone through uh, this. But uh, uh, you know, and and to get to this point, and I'm sure the uh, the special, and we'll mention it again. Uh, the HBO Max comedy special is Mr. Tough Life. Mr. Tough Life, not That's right. Life. That's right. Um, and it's it's yeah. out. It's getting rave reviews. Everyone's gotta uh, gotta check this out. It's uh, I, I'll I'll be watching it tonight or tomorrow. One of one of the others I'll be watching tonight or tomorrow. Uh, but it's a uh, sure. it, it is a must. Uh, give us anything else we should know about you, uh, what the rest of your year looks like, and anything else about the special that uh, that you want to tip us off 
um, uh, you know, to, uh, bef- before we all watch it. And before you go, make sure we get your, your social media uh, sites and your websites and everything else. Uh, yeah, so the, the special, you know, uh, it's, it's through my eyes when I was a kid. The beginning of the special was just stories of, like, what I saw when I was a kid, how, we, how I was growing up, uh, situations my parents put, put us in. Like, you know, Latinos, we are known to party. We party a lot. The things that we party on school days, like on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. <laughs> and, and and that's the thing. We party with our parents. You'll walk into a Latino party and there's a newborn in the corner. Like, fresh from the hospital, <laughs> newborn. Like, get this kid in a room. He doesn't belong to – he doesn't need to be out here. Uh, so, like, you know, things like that. I myself through what I saw. And then I kind of close it at the end with uh, a story of, like, me joining uh, – to go see a therapist and, and bring in some of those ideas of what she tells me to my family and obviously their reaction of what you want me to what say sorry. So it's a whole <laughs> thing. I don't want to give it all away, but, but it's a cool story. I think it's a good ending and a good wraparound for, uh, you know, my upbringing and, um, enjoy it. And also a little like uh, Easter egg at the end. If you guys, Please make it all the way through the credits. I have videos of when I was a kid. That way you can see some of my energy. And uh, as the credits are rolling through, you see clips of when, you know, me as a kid, me doing stand-up at 15 in my room, practicing it. So I think that's cool to show people, like, how far it came and how long I've been wanting to do this. So please check it out. HBO Max, it's out right now. Mr. Tough Life. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be doing shows all over uh, East Coast. Uh, make sure you follow me on social media, Jesus the Comedian. The ticket link is in my bio for my updating shows. And uh, thank you so much for having me, man. This is awesome. Thank yeah, you. Thrilled to have you. Can't wait to watch you. Jesus, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. See you soon. Jesus Sepulveda is our very special guest, was our very special guest. He's off now. And uh, new HBO Max comedy special. And it, it is out. And uh, check him out. Very funny guy. And uh, cool story, cool backstory. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.